not failure if Jesus is with you. It's a learning curve, and God changes our direction. Like It's like me. My dream was never to be in Christian movies. I wanted to be an airhead on a sitcom and make a million dollars a week and have someone write my lines. And, you know, my life's a little different. I didn't plan on marrying a policeman. But wherever I am, I go, well, is It wasn't my will to live in Miami for 20 years, raising my kids. Mm -hmm. So I thought, it must be God's will, because it wasn't my will. And uh, God knows better. Maybe that protected my kids from, maybe they got their mom. Maybe if I would have lived in L.A., I would have been busy all the time trying to get acting work, and they wouldn't have had a mom all day. I don't know. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love talking with fascinating people and learning how God has met them along their way. You might have already recognized her by her voice, but that is Victoria Jackson, who's best known for her time on Saturday Night Live from 1986 to 1992. I had the opportunity to meet with her and hear some of her along the way journey in August when I was in Nashville. She shares how she was discovered, how she almost missed her chance to be on Saturday Night Live, and how her upside-down humor gave her a voice in comedy. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll get to the interview in just a moment, but I want to make sure that you know that you can hear all of my episodes, even the ones that you've missed, by visiting my website, alongtheway.media, or simply subscribing to Along the Way in your favorite podcast app. You can also find Along the Way on Facebook and Instagram, and I've started an Along the Way email subscriber list. If you want to be notified of episodes and any other special announcements, please consider joining my email list. The link will be in my show notes. To reach me electronically, you can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. All those links will be in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, here's my Along the Way conversation with Victoria Jackson. Victoria Jackson, thank you so much for spending some time with me and allowing me to learn from your along-the-way journey. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home and to talk with you some. Thank you for having me. I love talking, (laughs) and I love talking about Jesus. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing about your story, and would you mind just telling me a little bit about your journey? You are an actress. You've been on Saturday Night Live. You've done... A lot of things. I was just looking at some of your bio. You've done a lot of movies. Yes, because I'm very old. (laughs) And it's jam-packed a lot of stuff into those 60 years. I just turned 60. Wow. It's kind of a milestone. It's kind of like a a stop and pausing Mm -hmm. moment when you go, did I use my life the way I should have kind of moment. Well, how has God brought you from where you started? You grew up in Florida. How has God brought you to where you are today? I know it's a big... How has God brought me? Well, I I asked Jesus into my heart when I was six years old. We were in a Southern Baptist church in Miami, which when I was growing up, it was turning into Cuba. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really feel like America. Everyone spoke Spanish, and I took Spanish Mm -hmm. so I could communicate. But our Southern Baptist church... Well, it was a wonderful place. We were there three times a week. I know every Baptist hymn, every verse by heart, Mm. and I love that. And I memorized Bible verses, and then I went to a Christian school, and, well, I had to make an A, so I had Mm -hmm. to memorize Bible verses there. And that's like my greatest gift from my childhood because Mm. the Word of God, it lives inside of my head and bounces around in there. And whenever I'm facing any problems or sadness or fear, mm-hmm. then, you know, Joshua 1-9 pops into my head or 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or, you know, Joshua 1, 9, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I memorized it in the King, in the King James. James. yeah. And see our Christmas photo over there? We have uh-huh. Joshua 1, 9 on all of our I t-shirts. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> because, cool. yeah, my daughter Scarlett, who's 33, she just wrote a book this year called um, Afraid of All the Things mm-hmm. by Scarlett Heltebeidel. Her married name. I'll make sure that I put a link for that in the show notes. Oh, thank yeah. you. And uh, I said, Scarlett, why'd you write a book about fear? I taught you Joshua 1 9 when you were tiny, tiny. And she's like, I know, mommy. She said, I thought of it as a command. I didn't find comfort in it. I thought, I better not be scared. And, you know, it's. <laughs> wow, the, yeah. You know, the Christian life is like full of things like that. It's like, trust the Lord. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, so, but I think mostly her fear started when she went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my her father, he was a fire eater. You're not just you're not no just no. Joking. This was, was his a, career. Like a circus He's performer? still doing it. Oh wow! <laughs> and what happened was, I knew be not unequally yoked together with mm-hmm. unbelievers. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? I went to a Bible college when I was 16. What happened was, I was supposed to marry my husband, who I'm married to now, Paul. Mm-hmm. When I was 18, we were engaged. We were Baptist virgins, and we met at my Christian school. And his dad said we were too young to get married. We were not allowed. Mm-hmm. I said, well, disobey him. I mean, you're eight, you're 18, you mm-hmm. know. And his dad said he wouldn't pay for his college if he got married. So I go, okay, well, I have this feeling to be an actress. Yeah. And I can only chase this whim now because you all marry me. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to finish Furman University where we were going because it's very expensive. And he could afford it because his dad was a doctor. And I go, I think I'll try to be an actress in this window. Because yeah. I know I'm going to be married with kids someday. And I'll always regret that I didn't try. Because I had that burning thing inside. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I could be an airhead on a sitcom. Like Suzanne Summers, but mm-hmm. clean. Like, okay. all the jokes in Three's Company were dirty and double entendres mm-hmm. and sexual. And I thought it would be such a better show if she was an airhead, but she was innocent. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have a TV growing up. Because my dad said that Love American style was promoting fornication mm-hmm. and adultery. And the love boat was. And he didn't want us to grow up with, you know. Mm-hmm anti-biblical satanic messages and put into our young little minds and i love that he did that so i want to chase my whim of acting Mm -hmm. so i went to hollywood and while i was there trying to be an actress which is really hard yeah especially when you're a christian yeah and i had odd jobs and it was very exciting and scary and hard and i'm reading david a.r white's book right now Mm -hmm. between heaven and hollywood Mm. and i have so many things in common with him he was a mennonite and he was you know in hollywood very naive and thinking this is what god wants me to do and we i did too and i still think god wanted me to i think god needs christians in that mission field absolutely it's a very powerful place that Mm -hmm. tv and movies like affect everything in people's minds so i think my daughter had her fear started when she was four years old Mm -hmm. and had to go through that divorce divorce is very horrible and i don't believe in it but Mm -hmm. it was i had to do it it was like i was trying to weigh her 
future, mm-hmm. staying in that situation. And yeah. oh, the reason I married him, being a strong Baptist virgin mm-hmm. in Hollywood, was because my true love married someone else oh. while I was gone. And so I was like, oh, there's no such thing as true love and God picked him for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all a fairy tale. And I was there alone, struggling, and met a guy eating fire at my job at the Variety Arts Center where where I got discovered for the Johnny Carson Tonight Show because I was standing upside down doing poetry because my dad was a gymnastics coach and my whole childhood was doing flips on the balance beam and handstands on the uneven bars and I thought, how can I get noticed in Hollywood? The only thing I have that no one else has is I can stand upside down for 60 seconds. Uh Uh-huh. So I started doing stand-up comedy, reciting my poems upside down to try to get an agent, to try to get Mm -hmm. a job. And I was doing that when I met the fire eater. You got discovered because you were standing on your head reciting your poetry. Yeah, and I married the fire eater because I saw him every day at work. And and God said, be not unequally yoked together. And I said, I know God, but I'm taking him to church And I would take him to church every week, and he would teach me a little bit more of the worldly hippie Mm. lifestyle that he was living. And uh, we got married. I was the breadwinner, and you reap what you sow, even though God forgives you for Mm -hmm. disobeying him. If you disobey God, you reap what you sow. He forgives you. He starts you on a new path. He goes, come back to me and start obeying me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so my daughter went through divorce. That's where I think the fear set in, because four years old, you're like, what? Yeah. Where's daddy? Yeah. Why are we moving? You know, and but then I married my high school sweetheart, mm-hmm. who I wasn't allowed to when I was eighteen. We got reconnected, mm-hmm. and I had to, then I had to decide. I was at the top of my career on Saturday Night yeah. Live, and I had to decide: should I not marry my high school sweetheart, who's a Christian, and my daughter needs a father, or should I stay in my career in my house in L.A. Or give it up to marry him, and his career was in Miami as a police helicopter pilot. Life is full of these very, like your life, like Mm -hmm. these odd twists and turns. Like you're like in Africa, and then you're like a missionary, Mm -hmm. and then you're like a TV producer. It's like, whoa! Oh, yeah. It's definitely an adventure, and sometimes it's very, very scary. Yeah. yeah, but like being a Christian, it's exciting mm-hmm. because you know God's got your back. Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good. Called according to His purpose, and yeah, it's all good. So, how did you go from your time in California to Saturday Night Live? Um, that's probably where most people would recognize oh, you from immediately. So. Right? Okay. Well, my voice. They say that's why they recognize me mostly. Um, well, how did I get from L.A. to SNL? Mm-hmm. Well, I was a struggling actress. I bought my first house in Laurel Canyon with my first big TV show, which was uh, Half Nelson with Joe Pesci. Okay. And I was his secretary love interest. And I got paid for 12 episodes, even though they only filmed six because of my contract. And I go, I better buy a house because everyone says real estate is the way. Like, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd just gotten a Visa card, like, the yeah. year before. I didn't, I was so young. I was 25. Mm-hmm. And so I was living in Laurel Canyon. I had a baby with the fire eater. We were married first, mm-hmm. if anyone cares. And uh, 
Yeah, so I'm like looking for work. Auditions are so hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm in a room with 30 blonde girls my age, and like they're all prettier, they're all more experienced. So I was doing a Mitsubishi truck commercial in the desert. I was three months pregnant, trying not to be nauseous for anyone to know because I didn't want to lose the job. And all of a sudden, my phone rang my Kermit the Frog phone. You know those phones where you take mm-hmm. the the old fashioned ones. You take the handle off yeah. of Kermit the Frog's <laughs> leg, uh-huh. and you talk. And so, I wish I still had it. And they go, "Would you like to audition for Saturday Night Live tomorrow?" And I go, "Um, yeah." Like it wasn't my agent. It, I don't know who it was. And Did you think somebody was playing a joke on you? No, I I didn't because it sounded legit. But they said there's a plane ticket waiting for you tomorrow at LAX. At 8 a.m., bring your characters and your um, impressions or something. And I go, oh, okay, thank you. Now, first of all, how'd they get my number? Who was it? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I think it was Lauren Michaels' office. And I think they'd seen me on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show because I was on it about three times a year, starting with 1983 was my first time, and then Mm -hmm. he wanted me back. So I was on about three times, 83, 84, 85 and I had just done my first real movie with Robert Downey Jr. called okay. The Pickup Artist. Mm. And I had like three scenes. And I remember... And he I, was a Saturday Night Live. Well, yeah, but I didn't even know that. Okay. He was only on a year. Right. He was on in 85. And we did The Pickup Artist in the summer of 85. Okay. No, we did The Pickup Artist the summer of 86. M- my baby was just born. Okay. And I got the audition for SNL summer of 86. Excuse me, I'm going to sip my frappuccino now. <laughs> Coconut milk's healthier than uh, cow milk, they tell me. So I thought, I don't have any impressions or what was the other characters? characters because I never t- went to Second City. I never mm-hmm. heard of it. I never did improv. I, I'd only just fumbled my way through stand-up to try to get a career. Kind of faked that. But I did write my material. That's true. So... I thought, well, I have a handstand and a ukulele, so I took that to New York on the plane, and the fire eater stayed home and babysat my baby mm-hmm. for two days, which was really hard for me, separation anxiety. Yeah. I had dreams that she was drowning and I couldn't save her, because, mm. like, moms should be with their babies. I mean, it's, yeah. that was hard for me to be a working mother, but... SNL, you only do 20 shows a year, and so there's 30 weeks a year where you're not doing mm-hmm. the show. So I was with my kids a lot. Of course, after SNL, I quit pretty much my career to, to raise my two daughters, so they were with me a lot. And when I did stand-up, I took them on the road with me a lot. Anyway, so I flew to New York, and I did my audition in the Phil Donahue studio, mm-hmm. and Lauren Michaels was the only person in the audience and his assistant and a, a woman who was doing the video camera mm-hmm. and his assistant had a bowl of popcorn because she always followed him around with a bowl of popcorn unsalted. <laughs> little, little trivia thing. And so I did it for him and they called me at the hotel that night and they said, Lauren wants to see you tomorrow. Come anytime after three. And I was like, well, uh, we're changing your flight. Okay. So the next day I get there at 3.01. Okay. That's after three, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. What what does that mean? After three? Like midnight? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I get the 301. They're like, oh, he's not here yet. I go, okay. Should I wait? And they're like, well, you know, you can go shopping or something. I go, when should I be back? Oh, you know, whenever. 
like one hour, two hour, you know, just go to Soho or something. I go, what's Soho? Is that like a department store? <laughs> and yeah. like, it, it, so it was quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. I went walking around. I didn't have any money or anything. I didn't know how to get a taxi. And um, I come back and I sit down, wait an hour. So then Lauren sees me and he, a very short interview, and he said, um, so you're married? Yes, I'm married to a fire eater. Oh, mm-hmm. And I just had a baby. Oh, mm-hmm. Your audition was very funny. But, uh, see, I'm doing an impression uh-huh. of Dana Carvey doing an impression of Lauren <laughs> Michaels. Uh-huh. Because I don't know how to... Okay, but I did learn how on the show. Okay. When I got on the show, it was like comedy college. And I eventually did Roseanne Park, you kind of talks like that. And I did Jaja, and they let me do the Brooklyn Swami. She talks like that. I learned how to do a New York accent just from hanging around the, the makeup department. They uh-huh. talk like that. And so um, Lauren said, yeah, this was very funny, but I don't think you're very strong in characters uh, or impressions. And he started walking me out of his office. And I was like, oh, no, my big chance is slipping away. Oh. Like, I never watched SNL okay. when I grew up because I didn't have a TV. But I had to pay the rent, the mortgage, I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I really needed a steady job. And so I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, if I wanted you to be like Diane Keaton, I, I go, well, then I'd wear man's clothes. And I look down a lot and shuffle my feet. And he goes, <laughs> and then he goes, well, what if I wanted you to be a Midwestern housewife? I go, well, well I am a housewife and my parents are from the Midwest. And he goes, <laughs> and then I'm almost out the door and, mm-hmm. he, and he, I go, I could talk like this. I could be this character. I can talk like that. And mm-hmm. he goes, okay, thank you. And so I'm flying home back to L.A. to my baby and my future, which has no work booked. Yeah. You know, and you're like, yeah, I could be a typist again, but I wouldn't see my baby all day. So, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to try to navigate that all. That's why I love David A.R. White's book that I'm reading right now, Between Heaven and Hollywood. He had such a similar experience as me. And we were trusting God through it all and loving Jesus through it all and going to church and then being tempted by worldly things because you're surrounded by it. But always, you know, praying and looking for what our purpose is. I really like how he tells his journey. It's very similar to mine. Mm-hmm. But anyway... um, I got back home, and I realized I had a Johnny Carson appearance coming up in two weeks. And I thought, what if I continue my audition for Lorne Michaels on Johnny Carson? Hmm. Well, that would be so, wow. So I thought, I got all these videos of Tina Turner and Diane Keaton, and I tried to imitate them. And Mm -hmm. I realized I was terrible at it. (laughs) And so I thought, well... I could just do it anyway, and if people laugh, that's the whole point. Exactly, yeah. That's the goal, laugh. Yeah, yeah. So I told The Tonight Show, and they said, okay, don't mention the name of the show you're auditioning for. Mm-hmm. Well, you asked Johnny to guess who you're doing, and so I went on there, and I go, Johnny, I'm auditioning for a show, and I have to do impressions. Can I try some out on you and see if you can guess who I'm doing? And he goes, Sure. So I go, what's love got to do, got to do with it? And he's like, Tina Turner. And I go, yeah. 
And then I go, Johnny, I don't know why I'm here. I have nothing to say. I just go to a commercial. He goes, Terry Gar. And I go, yeah. And I go, um, oh, watchy boy, the way Glenn Miller played songs that made the hit. And he goes, Edith Bunker. I go, uh-huh. yeah. So then I go, <laughs> so, John, uh, why do you want to work for my company? <laughs> and then he goes, uh, I don't know, uh, Betty Davis? And I go, no. And then he goes, uh, I don't know, who is it? And I go, well, I made her up. And then he goes, well, how am I supposed to guess who it is? And I go, that's a character. And then everybody laughed really hard. Uh-huh. And then I thought, I know I got this job. Uh-huh. And then I, I was wearing this pink dress that I got at the mall and rearranged the sleeves and everything. So I did. Uh, so my manager at the time, you know, agents and managers, I still don't understand what they do, if they do anything. I know they take 10%. Anyway, I had this manager, and I said, could you make sure that Lauren Michaels gets a VHS, because that's mm-hmm. what we had back then, mm-hmm. in case he didn't see my appearance last night. So she supposedly put it in Lauren's mailbox at his hotel in L.A. or something, tracked him down. But two weeks later, I got a call on my Kermit the Frog mm-hmm. phone, and they said, congratulations, you're in the cast. There's a plane waiting for you at LAX tomorrow. And I said, okay, thank you. And I hung up, and then I screamed, and then my baby woke up, and then my fire eater vomited on the bed because he doesn't handle stress well. I don't either, but mm-hmm. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And I like I bite my nails. You know, these are all fake. <laughs> my hair, lots of things. But anyway, so that's how I got on there. And then I kept my house in L.A., and I got and had an apartment in New York, and... Mm-hmm. Six years, my daughter grew up on the show, and it was very exciting. Um, I met lots of movie stars and mm-hmm. stuff. And Do you have a favorite moment from, from that time? My favorite moment is we were all struggling to get airtime. So we had to write our own material. Right. Nobody knows that. Like if you're an airhead on a sitcom, they give you lines, mm-hmm. and then you get laughs on lines you didn't write. It's mm-hmm. so easy. Here's a million dollars. Act like an airhead. Here's their line. But at SNL, it was like I had no lines. And so I would sit in my office and I'd look at my IBM Selectric, Mm -hmm. frozen in fear, and be like, ah. So one day, this writer, Christine Zander, she walks by and she throws the People magazine on my desk. And she goes, hey, you should write this. And it had Jessica Hahn on the cover saying, I am not a bimbo, in big letters. And I went, wow. I could definitely do that. So I wrote this song like really fast because uh-huh. I've been writing poems my whole life and just throw three chords on them and the ukulele, it's there a song. Yeah. And um, the guy at the desk, Greg, he helped me. I'm like, what would a bimbo say? Then I got to, then I sang it on Wednesday at Read Through and Lauren did not put it in the show. And I said, went to his office, waited an hour to see him. Mm-hmm. I go, Lauren, everybody liked it. Well, why isn't it in the show? And he goes, uh, I don't like the blues, which is weird because he, he You're had... You're playing the ukulele. Well, I had written it like this. Just because of the way I look, just because of what I wear, just because of how I act and how I fix my hair. Uh, you think you can label me, but don't you dare because I am not a bimbo. Okay, so... He said, I don't like the blues. And I'm thinking, but the Blues Brothers, Belushi, mm-hmm. Ackroyd, that was his big thing. I never thought that was funny at all, but 
supposedly it's funny. I don't know. And so I said, well, 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 I can change the music. And he goes, ask Cheryl. So I go to Cheryl, the, the genius who was practicing uh, Beethoven all day in her little office with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth with the ash really long. It never dropped off. It would just stay there. It would never drop. Beethoven. And I go, Cheryl, can you make the I Am Not a Bimbo be, like, not the blues? Lauren doesn't like the blues, I guess. And so she made it pop. And mm-hmm. she made it just because of the way I look, just because of what I wear, just because of how I act and how I fix my hair. You think you can label me, but don't you dare, because I am not a bimbo. So I showed it to mm-hmm. Lauren, and he goes, well, try to dress. So I dress, I go up on the desk, did a sort of a strip tease to make fun of Jessica Hahn, mm-hmm. who I met years later. She's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't like the part of us now that really makes fun of people. Mm. And that was a lot of it, you know. And it's kind of a mixed thing because you people are sort of honored that they're getting satirized. Mm-hmm. But, like, what is it? Imitation is mm-hmm. the highest form of flattery. But on the other hand, it's very mean-spirited most mm-hmm. of the time, you know? Definitely can be, yeah. Yeah, like Tammy Faye Baker. Like, in those days, in the 80s, she was on TV crying with her mascara running down. Well, that's kind of funny. And they were larger-than-life mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So it was kind of a situation begging to be made fun of, especially by a show that's not a Christian show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's still kind of mean, you know? Mm-hmm. So long story short, I'm on the update desk at dress rehearsal, take my jacket off, singing I'm not a bimbo, and take my skirt off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was very modestly sure. dressed because <laughs> it's about comedy. And it was a big hit. So it got in the real live show, the live show at 11.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was doing it, I was thinking, not only is millions of people watching this but Steve Martin and Sting are watching this. They were the host and the music. That oh boy. And oh I was gosh. like, I can't believe I'm singing in front of Steve and Sting. And the other funny part is my brother that week I had called him I said, Jimmy, is Sting a good musician? Like, uh, this guy named Sting is uh-huh. the music this week. And my brother goes, Oh, Vicky, that show is being wasted on you. You are not a consumer. And I go, what? And I go, well, like, does he write his own songs? And, and Jimmy's like, oh, Vicky, have you ever heard of the police? I'm like, no. So I, so I was raised on show tunes. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, my dad would play the piano. He played 30s and 40s tunes. I know all of those. So I was in the makeup chair next to Sting. I remember, and I said, Sting. Do, do you write your own songs? <laughs> and he looked at me like amused, and I, and I go, I write my own songs too, and <laughs> and I mean like I I wasn't trying to be funny. It was just I was trying to just. It was awkward to sit next to him, not to yeah. say anything. Yeah. So so that was very exciting. And then at the after party, which. I don't think anyone really enjoys the after party because you're tired out of your mind. Mm -hmm. It's one in the morning. You just had such a hard week trying to get your three minutes on TV. And um, I remember I walked into the room and and I felt the respect of my peers. Mm. 
And I felt like I was walking 10 feet off the ground for a brief moment. Because they didn't really use me that much on SNL. I don't know, just for a fleeting moment, I just felt the respect. And that meant a lot to me. And, yeah, so that was my favorite moment. That's Thank you for sharing that. that. That's a fun story. I'm sorry it's so long. No, that's good. I like hearing the real stories. So, Victoria, when you look back, where do you see Jesus walking with you in that? Wow. Well, I always say, I've been in many interviews where I've said that I was in the hall at SNL, and I was like, wow, this must be my mission field. Because mm. when I was eight, I was at my church, Carroll City Baptist Church in Carroll City, which turned into a ghetto. And I remember this sermon about Isaiah and whom shall I send. And I went forward with my heart beating. Mm-hmm. I was eight, I think, around there. And I went forward and I prayed and I said, God, I want, <laughs> makes me cry, I want to be a missionary for you, but please don't send me to Africa. <laughs> because, like, I saw films and it looked scary and there was lions and snakes and everybody looked hungry and naked and, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so when I was at SNL, I was like, wow, Lord, this is my mission field. Mm. Wow. And then I thought, well, how am I supposed to witness to anybody? They're smarter than me. They're richer than me. They're funnier than me. And we don't really hang out because I had a baby. I was the only one with a baby, so I'd rush home to sure. be with my child. You know, I didn't want to miss her first steps or anything. Mm-hmm. So I never really hung out. So I thought of this idea. I thought this Christmas... I thought, I'll get everyone the Bible on cassette because uh, we all had new cars and mm-hmm. we were making money for the first time and cassettes in your car was a new thing in the yeah. late 80s. Yeah. And I thought, I can't really tell them the gospel and everything I know about the Bible, passing them in the hall, saying, oh, your thing was funny last night. You know, how do you find a moment to tell them John three sixteen? Mm-hmm. So I thought, but if I... Give them the Bible and cassette. They could drive home for Christmas, and they could put it in their car, Mm -hmm. just trying out their new cassette machine, and the Holy Spirit could teach them, like, Mm -hmm. lots. And so I wrapped them up and put them at each of their dressing room doors, and one person returned there with a note on it that said, I already have one. And I thought, oh, that's the Holy Spirit is at work because mm-hmm. if I would have given her a t shirt that she already had, she wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I was kind of scared to do it, but I thought, well, this is me. Mm-hmm. And this is my mission field. Yeah. I asked Kevin Nealon like 15 years later, we were doing stand up, and I said, Kevin, did I really give you the Bible on cassette one Christmas? Or is that like a dream I had? And he goes, no, you really did that. I go, I did. And then he's like, yep, and it's still on my shelf. And I think I've listened to number three and number seven. And so i that's like one example of what Jesus was walking with me through. Yeah. I mean, divorce, I mean, life is hard. And Jesus was walking with me through Hollywood and getting work, not getting work, Mm -hmm. disobeying him, divorce, everything. And then he just walked with me through breast cancer four years ago where I had to live the Bible verses instead of just say Mm -hmm. them or memorize them or write them or read them. I had to 
live it. Right. So I was laying in my bed up there, and I was too weak from five months of chemo to wow. uh, change the channel on the TV. Mm. I was like laying there, and I thought, I feel like Jesus, you're standing right next to mm. me, and that's all I need. Like, I don't have an Oscar. I can't drive. I'm too weak to change the channel. But like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. You're standing there. We're hanging out. And my faith was like real. It's like God proved it to me. Yeah. Do you have any Bible verses during that time that you just held on to that were like a life verse? Yes. Psalm 43.5 was, I was in the lobby at Vanderbilt Breast Clinic and I was flipping through my Anne Graham Lott's mm. devotional called Daily Light. Each day is like a group of Bible verses. It's not her interpretation of mm-hmm. them. It's just Bible verses yeah. smushed together from different parts where you never really see them smushed together. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of look new. I was flipping and, I, and they had just said my test didn't look good, my MRI mm. or something. And I thought, oh, Lord, this is not a fun moment. This is not a happy moment. And my personality always tries to make everything happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not happy. Oh. And I thought, uh, Philippians 4.13, Luke one thirty seven, for God nothing is impossible, absent from the body, present with the Lord, for mm-hmm. me to live as Christ, to die is gain. I was thinking of all these verses. I said, Lord, I need a new verse. I know those verses too well. I just need some new thing to pop out because, and all of a sudden I saw Psalm 43, 5, and I'd never memorized that one. And it was something like, why art thou downcast, O my soul? Why is my spirit discouraged within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God and my Savior. And I went, wow, I will yet praise him. And that carried me through the whole year because I thought, whether I die of cancer now and then he heals me in heaven, or if he heals me now and he comes mm-hmm. back and I die, or whether he die, I will yet praise him again, and uh, whether it's on earth or in heaven. And I thought, oh, I will be happy again. Mm. And that's all I needed, and that really carried me through, and I wrote a little song about it. It goes, why should I be discouraged if God has a plan? He makes beauty from ashes. I will praise him again and again. I will praise him yet again and again. And so that's what carried me through. Mm, That's great. That's a good verse to hold on to. And I'm glad that God showed that to you right then. If you could go back in time Mm. and visit yourself and have a cup of coffee with yourself at a younger age, what advice would you give yourself? And do you think you would listen? I think I would say be more patient and wait on God. Because I think all my biggest mistakes were I wasn't waiting for God. I thought, I have to marry the fire eater Mm -hmm. because I'm not getting any younger. And I'm lonely. And God isn't bringing me a Christian husband. I don't Mm -hmm. see any. Hello. It's been 1980, 1981, 1982. Uh, I don't want to be an old maid. I love romance. Mm -hmm. I would love to kiss and hug somebody. And I didn't. I didn't want to wait. I just, I think uh, we're in a hurry because we have time ticking by, and God doesn't, and He's not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And He's I, always on time. Well, yeah, He's on His time. <laughs> yeah, and He doesn't have time. Yeah. So I think I rushed into things like marriage because I didn't trust that God would bring me the right person at the right time. I thought, He's not doing it. I, I got to do this. So I think I would tell myself, 
be more patient and wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Mm-hmm. They shall mount with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. But I don't think I want to listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Especially when I have a caffeine right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is God teaching you right now? I know you're doing a lot of uh, Christian movies now, and I love the marriage retreat one that uh-huh. I saw. I, I saw that I, a couple years ago. I'm not doing a lot of them. I wish I was doing okay. a lot of okay. them, but I am doing them. That that's the most recent thing that I've seen you in. Oh and so. yeah, yeah. I had a very small part, and I didn't really have any comedy to do. I think comedy is my strong point. But mm-hmm. the movie I just did, I had four crying scenes. Crying scenes. Yeah, I had a cry. They didn't tell me to. I just thought my character would cry right here. Uh-huh. She's seeing her daughter for the first time in 25 years. Since her daughter ran away, and I know she would cry right now. I said, Lord, I, I want Christian movies to be better. Mm-hmm. I want them to be good. So help me do this. And God, help me cry. I don't know if they'll edit it because then the whole movie would be sobbing because her character is crying a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch a movie where everybody's <laughs> showing what a great actress they are because they can cry. But I did four times, and I was shocked because I don't do that very well. Mm-hmm. I just turned 60, and I've been assessing my life, and I'm thankful. Like, I just bought that a sign that says thankful. Mm. I'm super, super grateful. My highest goal would have been for my children to love Jesus, and they do. Mm. And I feel like my mission was accomplished. I'm grateful and humbled and um you know my daughter's book she's writing now she wrote another one called he numbered the pores on my face for teenage girls Mm. and that just came out this month and she's writing books about jesus and all the things we've been through with fame and divorce and you know real life stuff it's like i feel like we're sinners and we're all passing the golden uh gospel from one sinner to the next Mm -hmm. because i had like five pastors commit adultery like almost every church i've been in my whole life i went to my bible college Mm -hmm. the president he ran off with a girl the year i was there Mm. then i went to a church for 10 years that guy committed adultery i went to another church for 10 years that guy committed so like i but it doesn't make me mad at god i just think we're all sinners passing this beautiful word of god from one sinner to the next and like god said be holy for i am holy Mm -hmm. and we're like we're not doing good god well it's like gymnastics if you try for a 10 you might do a seven but if you don't try at all you'll just be like a Mm 3.0 on your balance beam routine but if you aim to get a 10.0 it'll make you better so i think aiming to be holy is better than not trying at all yeah absolutely and you talked about your daughter and the books that she's writing. she wrote Mm -hmm. one already she's got another one I'll make sure that I provide links for that mm-hmm. in the show notes. Yeah, and my other daughter, she's 25, so she's trying to figure out what her passion is. Mm-hmm. But she's interested in worship, leading worship music at church. She plays the piano, and she um, is starting a Bible study in her house. That's so encouraging. I'm sure as a mother, you're very, very proud of them. I'm so happy that yeah. they could have seen my sins or whatever and gone another direction. So God protected them. Yeah. 
And you've mentioned uh, David A.R. White's book a few times. Yeah. What, is, what is standing out to you the most? Because I'm going to write that as a recommendation from you. Wow. Well, I've had it like a year, and I mm-hmm. didn't get around to it because I just enrolled at Lipscomb Film School to get okay. my master's degree. Cool. And I'm just learning what you already know how to do, editing and um, all that hard stuff yeah. with machines and everything. I'm in awe of you and people like you who know how to do that. <laughs> it's very time-consuming. Always learning with it, too. It's always changing. Technology yeah. keeps changing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is standing out in this book? Well, um, I liked reading how Pure Flix was formed because... Mm-hmm. I kind of had the fantasy that some rich guy handed him some money and said, here, start a Christian company mm-hmm. and you can star in all your movies. But it didn't happen like that, I don't think. And he talks about all of the failures. Mm. And I think people love to read about successful people going through failure because it's not failure if Jesus is with you. It's a learning curve and it's like a... And God changes our direction. Like David talks about how this was his goal, and then, and then his life ended up being this. He's like, oh, that's what God wanted me to do. It's like me. My dream was never to be in Christian movies. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an airhead on a sitcom and make a million dollars a week mm-hmm. and have someone write my lines. And, you know, my life's a little different. I didn't plan on marrying a policeman. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Where I, wherever I am, I go, It wasn't my will to live in Miami for 20 years, raising my kids. Mm -hmm. So I thought, it must be God's will, because it wasn't my will. And uh, God knows better. Maybe that protected my kids from, maybe they got their mom. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I would have lived in L.A., I would have been busy all the time trying to get acting work, and Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have had a mom all day. I don't know. But David's book, I like that he mentions his failures yeah. and his struggles because it, it's encouraging to know everything wasn't handed to him on a golden platter. Yeah. Well, I, I love whenever people are willing to share that about themselves mm-hmm. and how a righteous man might fall seven times, but he gets back up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want to learn from the people that have said, okay, yeah, I've fallen. I've had a failure, but I'm getting back up. Yeah. I'm getting back up. And that's kind of the whole premise of this podcast, too, is where can we learn from those moments where we might have missed God in the yeah. moment, yeah. but we're moving forward and we're going to we're gonna overcome that. I, I love that God has given people creativity to yeah. tell his story in unique ways. Yeah. And not just his story, but the story that he allows us to live and how he is working with us. Victoria, thank you so much for allowing me to join you along your way as we're doing this episode of Along the Way. Thank you. Hearing how Victoria has memorized so many Bible verses was very impressive. That's like my greatest gift from my childhood because the Word of God, it lives inside of my head and bounces around in there. It challenged me to revisit a lot of the verses that I have memorized years ago. Are they still in there? And can I recall them so that I can rely on their truth to encourage me whenever I need it? King David said that I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some translations say stored up or treasured. Is the word of God hidden so well that I can't find it when I need it? That is something that I need to work on more, memorizing and treasuring God's word in my heart so that I can use it when I need it. Victoria grew up in a Christian home without a TV, but that didn't stop her from being called to be an entertainer. She didn't let her circumstances stop her from that goal. 
It's always interesting to hear someone's story of how, even through unfortunate situations, God can turn things around and use it for his good. She was impatient in life and tried to do things on her own, but... It's not failure. Jesus is with you. And he will help you through. He said for us to be holy. God said, be holy, for I am holy. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we're not doing good, God. Well, it's like gymnastics. If you try for a 10, you might do a 7. But if you don't try at all, you'll just be like a Mm 3.0. But if you aim to get a 10.0, it'll make you better. So I think aiming to be holy is better than not trying at all. Let's aim for that 10.0. I can honestly say that I have never had a dream of being an airhead on a sitcom. But how Victoria described it, it doesn't sound too bad. I'm just kidding. I know that's not my calling. But I've often said that I would stand on my head and spit nickels if it would help people come to Jesus. But she kind of used that same approach to get into comedy. Being told by the famed Saturday Night Live producer Lauren Michaels that she was good, but not good enough to be a cast member, didn't stop her. She took her next opportunity on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show and tried again. Sometimes we need to be tenacious as we try to achieve our goals. She didn't take no for an answer. She got creative and took another approach that led to her becoming a cast member for six years on Saturday Night Live. I appreciate her willingness to be a witness to her fellow cast members, even though she was intimidated by them and nervous about doing it. Giving everyone the Bible on cassette was a good way to get the word of God to people who might not have received it any other way. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. How can we creatively help people hear the word of God? That's always a good challenge for me, too. The Word of God is very important for Victoria, especially when she needed an extra boost of faith and God led her to Psalm 43, verse 5. She stood on that verse when she was going through breast cancer and it helped her trust in God through one of the most difficult times of her life. When life doesn't seem to go your way and maybe it's flipped you on your head, make the best of that situation. Maybe turn the blues on its head and proudly proclaim, You are loved by Jesus, and that's the truth. For more information about Victoria Jackson, check out victoriajackson.com. Her daughter, Scarlett Hiltabeidel's books can be found at scarlethiltabeidel.com. And she mentioned the book Between Heaven and Hollywood by David A.R. White. I'll be providing links for that book and more about David A.R. White in the show notes. Oh, and as I was wrapping things up with Victoria, she wanted to make sure that she shared about a movie that she just saw with a unique spin on the Emmaus Road story. It's called Christ Slayer. She strongly suggests that you check it out. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this episode with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That will help more people discover Along the Way. And subscribe to Along the Way wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on my website, alongtheway.media. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. <music>